afternoon, everybody. Dennis Fithian with you here. It's podcast number five and ready to get things underway. Taping this on Sunday night in the NFL draft over the weekend. It's over, and Sunday nights now mean the last dance, the Bulls and MJ and yet episode three and four tonight. Dennis Rodman and the Bad Boys featured, and we feature right now Jake Reitma from 97.1 The Ticket who joins us here. And, Jake, you know what? After watching two hours of uh, of high-intensity basketball with, with Jordan going against the Bad Boys, man, I am ready to go out and uh, and get some shots up and, 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 and start playing. Oh, D fifth, no doubt about that, man. I'm I'm at the ticket right now, so midnight rolls around. I might I might be here for another couple of hours, just working on the jump shot, you know, doing some ball dribbling. You know, you know, you can't just go over to the ticket basketball court and, and try and mess around. It's it, it's no no joking, no jokes, just getting after it, and and I might be doing that here. Well, you got the place all to yourself, uh, so that's good. And, you know, it's good to get your perspective. You know, uh, I'm, uh, you know, the old guard went through and was able to watch those those Piston teams from drafting Isaiah and picking up the pieces all the way through and, and then going through and, and, and living it, I guess, as a kid. Uh, and, and, and then now you are, you know, you're not a kid, but you, you didn't see any of that. So getting the perspectives from uh, from you and me. So what, you know, when you watch tonight, uh, were there any part of this story here uh, in, in what you knew and then what you saw tonight that you were like, whoa, man, I didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. I think just kind of a overall general observation of of the entire Last Dance documentary series is just kind of remembering it happening as a kid, but not not necessarily connecting the dots and knowing the specifics. So the same with episodes one and two, as it was with three and four. I just loved kind of kind of connecting the dots and putting the puzzle together in chronological order and kind of putting the dates with everything. Because as a kid, when I look back to it, it's all kind of a blur. So, and, and having the chance to kind of see the specifics unfold and say, okay, the Pistons won in this year, you know, the bad boys were, were, were champs in 89 and 90. And then there was the passing of the guard in 91. There was the walk-off in 91 as well. So just kind of connecting the timeline has been my biggest, biggest takeaway in watching these documentaries because I always knew I always knew how it how it happened but I like knowing the specifics as well yeah and you know just having Jordan there and having him talk about it all candidly like he is and and having this footage here I mean like tonight they're out there and they're they're passing the cell phones around to Phil Jackson and, and Worm how he wanted to go to to Vegas and Jordan what he's saying you know they're looking at these uh the these videos here I mean that that's just some great that's just some uh, some great stuff in, in in putting this this all together. But you know what? It, it when it comes down, to, you know, it was really they, they had to focus on Dennis Rodman and and where he was at. And then you know it had the Pistons, but then they you know they left the bad boys. And I thought, wow, they're really short change of the Pistons here. And you know about the rivalry? Maybe Jordan was like, screw them. You know, we're not going to talk all about them, even if it's a ten part uh, documentary. But you know what? They came back in the second hour and they. They revisited, uh, you know, the you know the Pistons beating them, and then finally the Bulls getting over the hump. So, you know, they uh, they they did give the, you know, the Pistons their the respect. Although, you know, you you watch it from a Detroit angle, you want more and more of uh, the red, white, and blue. Right, and I thought too, Dennis. I'm curious your thoughts on this. I thought you could really you could just feel how much Jordan hates 
yes, the Pistons, but specifically Isaiah Thomas. I think there's still that that burning hatred that that is, is fueling, and I think it's mutual. You know, I think Isaiah would you could feel it too that he still has the hatred. So all these years later, that 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 fuel that burning desire that hatred that they have for one another is still uh, in one sense it's almost like it's still fresh. Well, look, you know what? I bet they asked Bill Lambeer to be in that thing. And you know what? He probably told him F off, you know, like that, that's the kind of thing, you know, <laughs> right. I'm surprised Isaiah, you know, doesn't do that. But Isaiah, you know, now he's like, he's in the media and he does talk about it, but you really just have to know Isaiah. It was such a, I think it was episode one. It could have been two, but it was the, you know, the, 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 the first time they, they came around with the last dance that they were just talking about the emergence of Jordan and before Jordan, it was team ball, and yeah, you could be an all-star, but you couldn't be the leading scorer and win. And somebody said, yeah, you got to be a big man. And, you know, Jordan, of course, wasn't a big man. You know, he was a guard. And with Isaiah being at 6'1", you know, Isaiah had to, like, you almost had to be ruthless and cutthroat and not friendly and not fraternizing with the enemy. If you're going to go up against East coast, West coast and, and bird and magic and white and black, and then have to hold off this like superstar that nobody had ever seen before anything like them. And you know, that the, the television and, and David Stern, they all just want this coronation of Jordan and the Pistons are holding him off. But I think you needed that from Isaiah to have that feistiness or, you know, it just wouldn't have worked. Like they, they had to have that kind of hatred. There was no, you know, playing golf with Isaiah and, and Jordan there, man. It, it was fierce and it was real. Right. No doubt. And I think, um, you know, you touched on it. I'm a lot younger. I miss that in today's NBA. Like I, I think, you know, of course the stars I grew up with Kobe and, and LeBron and, I just, you see all these players immediately after the game ends, they're just dabbing up and, and hugging. And there was the, the banana boat thing and they're all best friends and that's all well and good, but I miss them. You know, I, I watched the footage of the bad boys and I watched the 30 for 30 before watching the, um, the, the documentary series tonight. And I wish so badly I grew up in that era of basketball as opposed to the current era that we're in. Yeah, you know what? I, I remember Rasheed Wallace going out with Jermaine O'Neal, you know, and the, the Pistons are going up against the Pacers, and you're like, this isn't real. And, and you know, you, you've got Larry Brown going and, and hanging out with, with his mentor and, and the sitting around with Popovich and having dinner the night before, a, you know, a game in the finals. And it, that just doesn't seem right. And, and I know that it's gone on all the way back, you know, like, Danny Ainge playing golf with, with Michael Jordan in, in a playoff game, but it it feels right for teams not to like each other. And, and, you know, just to, to have that, that fierce, intense rivalry of a, of a million white hot sons. And like, no man, we're not, we're not given any quarter here. And really the story of Isaiah and the Pistons is, that was it. Isaiah was not allowing that. It was almost like, hey, if you let your guard down here and you're starting to pal around with Jordan or jocking Jordan or, you know, getting in any of his charity events, it's almost like you're you're letting them in and, and that was going to hurt the Pistons' chances uh, at winning. So I, I seemed like they had to have that part. And you know what? I, I, I don't know. Like, you know, they, they walked off the floor there at the end. I thought they did a good job because they – they went to the Celtics doing the same thing to the Pistons and Isaiah, you know, mm-hmm. they had the footage there. And I don't think everybody knows about that. Most people talk about the Pistons 
dissing the dissing the Bulls. They don't talk about um, you don't talk about the Celtics doing that and Bird walking off, you know, against the bad boys. Right, right, yeah, and I like too how they had uh, they had Michael's reaction to what Isaiah Thomas was saying about how the the Celtics did the same thing earlier, so that Michael could see that okay, yeah, yes, the Pistons did that to us, but the Celtics did that earlier, and I don't know if it did anything, but the, to kind of just more of a how the documentary was put together, I think it did a good job in showing all sides of the, I guess, for lack of a better term, showing all sides of the story there. You know what it tells me is that you see, uh, it, it reminds me like over the years I've seen Tom Izzo, like, um, you know, he always does it. He was doing it this year. Like uh, somebody on Twitter that was a Michigan State grad was saying something about one of our players and he's like going after him. And it's always like, why is Tom Izzo worried about somebody, you know, that the saying something on Twitter, it just like riles him up, you know, it just gives him that edge. And I think that, um, you know, for Jordan, you know, sure. He was ticked off because they had the footage of the year before, losing in a game seven and he went up and he shook Isaiah's hand and all of that. So yeah, I understand him being ticked off, but even these guys at the highest level, man, they will use the, the smallest slights and these, these, all of this, like, uh, you know, sports warfare type stuff, man, uh, uh, to, you know, to, to bring to battle and, and, and you just see it, you know, playing out. For sure. For sure. Anything to get the smallest little chip on their shoulder so that that can then turn into a bigger chip. And like you said, just, just fuel that hatred and fuel that motivation. They'll find anything. Yeah. You know what? It was uh, the one thing about Rodman. I, I liked the most. He was, he was featured so much in there and you know, you saw him as a, as a kid with the Pistons before he ended up being like, you know, the, the showman or the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the 24 hour news cycle Rodman of, you know, Dayton, Madonna and Carmen Electra and partying and all that. And he was just a, an emotional kid here, but at the one point, you know, Chuck Daly, who he loved and uh, it was Brendan Malone, one of the assistants. And, uh, you know, he was like something about, Hey, we're going to coach Dennis this way. And Chuck was like, you know, you, you don't saddle up a Mustang, you know, you, you just let him be, just let him be, let him be Dennis Rodman. And uh, I love that part that, that, that stuck out to me, like uh, Chuck Daly, daddy rich and how, uh, you know, how he coached uh, the worm. No doubt. That was one of the best sound bites of the uh, entire documentary. I thought was you don't put a saddle on a Mustang. I love that. And certain coaches just had the ability to, to speak their players language. And I think you saw that with Phil Jackson and Dennis Rodman and Chuck Daly. <laughs> yeah. And my, uh, you know, thinking about favorite sound bites, uh, I like everything Isaiah says, but you know, Isaiah, you know, uh, making sure everybody knew where he was on the whole rivalry, you know, he did a good job. And then just listening to Jordan talk about his distaste for the Pistons and the rivalry and Horace Grant. I mean, you could still feel it, man. Those, those guys, man, they went back to those days, and it was just – it was really intense. They really didn't like each other. There was an edge to them, and that makes it like – you know, it's good. Like, if you you and I go out and we just – you know, we're, we battle, and afterwards, you know, we're, we're going to compete really hard, but afterwards we're going to shake hands. But then we all know people that, whether you're in high school or whatever else, like, you hate that other team. Like, you really do. I Like, you, you want nothing but to give misery – you know, to these other guys because you actually don't like them for whatever reason. And, and man, these guys did not like each other. That That's the great part. 
No doubt, no doubt. I put this on Twitter, Dennis. This this whole documentary series allows me to to circle back on one of my overall sports takes that I hate. I hate the post game mandatory handshake. If you want to dap up and hug the guy you went against, sure, that's fine. Do do that by all means. Let it be optional though. But don't force anyone. I don't want to go shake the guy's hands that was just trying to end my life minutes ago or that was just trying to take my knees out a couple plays ago. You know, I don't want to go tell him good game. I don't think that should be mandatory or forced on people. But if you want to do it, great. It's not for me personally. Well, you know what, Jake? I think you might get your wish, you know, but not because of uh, sportsmanship. I think because of the coronavirus uh, in the future, they'll just be like, hey, let's not shake hands anymore. Let's just get a point to everybody if you want to go over there. You can, but, uh, you know, yeah, I'm with you there, often, right? Yeah. 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 You know what? I, I think there, there's a parts of it where you say, look, uh, would you love to be able to compete like the bulls or I'm sorry, the Pistons and the bulls did back then. And then after it's all said and done, you can go over and, uh, you know, after the game, you can shake hands, you know, in hockey, they, they let it all hang out, but they always, you know, line up at, at center ice there and they all go through and everybody loves the, the handshake, you know, they go through that. But you know what? It, it's real life. You know, it's not it's not always like that where people, you know, want to do that. It's not always perfect where you can get that. And, uh, you know, you do have that little uh, uh, hitch on everything like, you know, that that was uh, what I put out after the uh, moments after the last dance uh, ended. And it was just going back and re- reflecting on the walk off and everything. And I just said, yeah, I mean, it, it would be nice if they could have gone out there and and shook hands. But you know what? That's what that's wasn't what the Pistons were and you know you got to own it and what are you going to do you know you you deal with it and you take the criticism it's one thing like and most Piston fans that remember back then I'm sure you'll see like you know F the Bulls you know no we wouldn't shake their hands now like that plays in the fan stuff uh you know they don't they don't want any uh you know looking back over the years and saying hey we wish we could have done this you know it, it still burns with the fans you know and part of that you know part of that you get it's like what you were talking about for sure no doubt about it but i i will double down on that take for for as long as i need to it's just uh and and I, yeah like you said it, it could be the uh, future of sports where uh the coronavirus dictates that hey uh jake before uh we end this what about the draft here uh what are people saying i saw dave burkett gave uh the lions a good grave overall although he gave he gave the Lions an F for getting the wide receiver from uh, Wisconsin, uh, Cephas, because he runs a four seven one, or he ran a four seven one. Even he came back and and ran something a little bit better there. He didn't like that pick. Uh, I gave it uh, a favorable a favorable grade. Although I, I wish Quinn would have been able to move down to number five, and that was on him, and that was on Martha Ford. But overall, I like the draft. What about you? Fair enough. Fair enough. I think Dennis, for me, I just I distinctively break it up. By each day so day one hated it I hated everything about it and you know I was all in on Tua and I believe you were too right you were all in on drafting Tua and that's what I wanted them to do with the number three overall pick or or at the very least trade the number three pick because I still think you could have gotten the guys you wanted whether that be Okuda or Brown and obviously it was Okuda I still think you could have gotten Okuda later in the draft so day one I hate it but I think Bob Quinn and company had their strongest 
draft overall with what they did specifically day two didn't love day three as much but i love the swift pick out of the running back out of georgia on day two and i think that set the tone for day two i love the cora coming out um, from notre dame as well so i think those are some guys that can really be difference makers so day two saved it for me yeah well you know i was a two a truther the whole time uh you know i, I love the kid i love uh him as a prospect i think he's a, a magical passer and his anticipation and and uh and everything that he brings to the position, except that I uh, always wanted to see him uh, be able to work out at his pro day. And, you mm-hmm. know, I did see that one five second video where he had the seven step drop, like, and then the final one that he put out, which was a, uh, you know, a hype video. They said he threw the ball 70 times, but they only put about five or, you know, six throws in that hype video. And it was always like, if I'm going to take a guy that's a major, uh, question mark when it comes down to his injuries. I got to see him make 70 throws. I got to see him go through all the shuffles and uh, shuttle drills. And I got to see him run a 40. And you know what? He had the ability to do that. They could have put a camera up there, 360 camera, and he could have said, hey, here are my 70 throws. Here's my 40. And I don't know, it's not even a conspiracy. What I think they did is say, look, to uh, we still think you're going to go, if you don't do another thing, we still think you're going to go in the top 10. Uh, if you go out there and, and do this uh, live stream pro day workout and it doesn't go well, well, you know what? And you don't run, you know, that could drop you out of the top 10. If you do really well, you want to go to Washington, you want to go to Detroit, or do you want to go to Miami or LA? And, and I think they, they said, look, the, the best advice here is is not working out, putting this hype video out, and you're still going to go in the top ten, which I think took Detroit. I understood. I I couldn't take Tua without having him run and throw. As much as a truther I am, I'm a truther once I see him run, and I know that he was 100%. And without, without having that and just some doctors saying that he's good to go, it wasn't enough for me. So uh, I understand. Right, right. I understand. Quinn, you know, I, I like it's not like I n- like knocking the Lions or anything, but uh, I understand. But them not taking uh, Tua there, it just sucks. It, 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 if there's one team that it hurt, you know, the, the whole thing of not being able to go out there and, and work out guys and, and really be able to get a read on him, even though I don't think they were going to take him anyways because of what Martha Ford had to say and everything, right, right. Uh, you know, and that's, that's on them. And, you know, they screwed that part up and it gets back to leverage and everything, but it, it, it hurt the lions. That's, that's what it hurt. And, and, you know, so for that part, it sucks. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up was even if they had all this video and saw him make the 500 throws and do all the drills, even if they saw everything, I, I don't think I don't think the Lions, Bob Quinn, Martha Ford were ever going to take Tua. And that's what that's what gets me as a mm. fan because it was he, I just I think I don't think they had an open mind to it. And of course, Bob Quinn made the comments that the, you know the, the pundits don't know what really goes on. So I'm just a pundit. What do I know? But you had a potentially franchise-changing quarterback sitting there, and whether why not take a chance? And and I don't think this this regime, if you will, ever takes a chance on anything. They always play it safe. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm a pundit too then, and I know that Martha <laughs> Ford screwed up by putting that uh, you got to be in playoff contention edict out there. And I right. also know that you got uh, a month or two months to create some leverage uh, 
what would it have hurt to go to Matt Stafford when you knew that you had the number three pick and just say, hey, look, Matt, we're going to say a lot of things about Tua Tungavailoa and, and about Justin Herbert, about, uh, hey, we got to look to, you know, secure our future when we're picking up yeah, this high. exactly. But don't buy any of that because we're just trying to leverage it out and everything. And, and then – and then go about, you know, acting a fool of how much you love these quarterbacks and how you're going to go after <laughs> exactly. them. And then you would have picked up some, you know, I, I, if, if some flimsy offer that he said, I think it would have gotten a lot better offer. But they didn't do that. They went out and were right. like, we love Matt Stafford and he's awesome. And then you have the playoff uh, contention letter yeah, and everything. Play some poker. Yeah, sell it a little bit. Play some poker and just communicate <laughs> behind closed doors and, and at least get – Something, something for that number three pick. Something would have been better than nothing. No, they tipped over their cards. You know, hopefully that in in 20 or 30 years, we're looking back at some, you know, 10-part documentary about uh, Okuda and Swift and how it just landed right when everything in this franchise looked like it was swirling the tank and, you know, Tua was staring him in the face, Bob Quinn. Uh, was forced to take a, a cornerback at three, <laughs> and then it all ended up working out. Now, I, I wouldn't put any money down on that documentary coming through. I was but, just going to say, I admire your optimism, Dennis. I love it. I admire the optimism. Yeah, well, you know, you just – it's one thing about the draft. You know, you you dream a little bit and hope until right. the actual games uh, get played, and then, you know, then, it, uh, then it's a reality check. So hopefully we do have those games, Jake, and – it's always great to talk with you. Continued success. We'll have to do this again, and I, uh, I appreciate your time, man. Dennis, thank you for having me, man. It was an absolute pleasure. The honor's all mine, and I definitely look forward to the next time, man. It'll be fun. All right. Keep up the good work, bud. Thanks. Appreciate it. There he is. Jake Reepma. Yeah, you know what? This weekend was uh, spent by me, and I take the weekend back to Thursday to the first round. Watched that first round and, uh, you know, all of the picks. Got into it a little bit Saturday uh, as well. And uh, I was, you know, sitting out in the yard watching the picks and then, you know, doing the same thing. You know, like so Friday and Saturday, you know, being able to go through all that and, and watch it and, and have fun. And then, you know, get to Sunday where a two-hour documentary. I mean, but now, you know, here we are, you know, staring May in the face and, uh-oh, uh-oh. So uh, uh, I'm going to be working hard, working hard on this podcast. And, uh, you know, I always they say in sports, you know, you make your biggest improvement from po- or game one to game two. And I said that with podcasts. But apparently to be getting on all the platforms and getting people to subscribe and everything else, you really start making hay after podcast five is what it looks like. And here, this is uh, podcast five. So I'm looking to make my biggest improvement from five to six. Thanks for being there, staying through and listening. I'll still be here uh, pushing them out and uh, looking to, you know, to get better all the time here. That'll do it. Thanks for listening. Podcast number five. Oh, yeah, I hear a little music. Dennis Fithium. So long. Have a great week, and uh, I'll talk with you very soon.